Welcome to AB Testing Podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. Hey, everyone. Hey, Brent, say something. Hi, hi Alan. All right. Well, you said, hey, everyone. Like, that, I was, that was for the, for the listeners That was for the three people. Brent, you're, you remain the smartest idiot I've ever known. But luckily, you, we Alan. have someone even smarter joining us on our our socially distanced podcast this morning. We have Julian Bucknell, who is the CTO of Test Cafe. Hey, Julian. And uh, good morning. It's well, it's morning for me. Yeah. Yeah, so it's morning. Morning, it's morning for, us, for you. It's morning for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Alan. Hi, Brad. Hello. Longtime listeners may know that we uh, we record at 8 a.m. on Fridays usually, so we're welcome to have Julian get up early for us. Uh, which part of uh, the world are you in, Julian? I'm actually in Colorado, so uh, it's it's not an early morning for me. It's uh, it's pretty good. I mean, I've got my uh, Starbucks coffee, which I went to a you know a drive-through <laughs> to get, and I'm ready. It's uh, ready for the uh, the morning's work. All by right. the way, you, you introduced me as the, the CTO of Test Cafe. I actually am the CTO of Developer Express, who create and uh, market test cafe. Uh, thank you for the clarification. What else does DevExpress do? We are mostly about uh, kind of user interface controls for, for developers uh, across the gamut from Windows uh, to the web. And um, you know, I can get into why uh, we created Test Cafe because you know we have all these user interface controls for the web and we need to test them, and so on and so forth. But yeah, we we basically target developers uh, creating applications, um, you know, either for Windows or for the web, or uh, it's getting more and more things like uh, the Mac and and so on and so forth. It's uh, it's getting very interesting. Yes, indeed, and I like that you said you cater towards developers. I like so, that too. <laughs> uh, I don't. I didn't mention this earlier in our pre-show talk, but I my role is difficult to describe. I run engineering systems for an org of about two hundred and fifty people, and we don't have any dedicated QA. In fact, oh. we have a lot of people doing testing. They're also called developers, and many of our developers for the parts of our our product that are in UI are using Test Cafe, and I have played with it in the past for some prototyping, and I have mm-hmm. to say I'm a fan. Oh, so I, I am curious, why in a world where uh, Selenium is ubiquitous, did you like? What was the? Uh, well, where'd you? Where, where'd you come from here? Well, the, the thing was, this is my word. This is probably about seven years ago now. Um, Yes, we, we develop um, web controls, uh, controls for web applications. So, you know, the boring things like menus and buttons and all that kind of stuff. We have a, a theming thing. Uh, we have grids and spreadsheets and um, tree views and uh, dashboards now and all that kind of stuff. And the big problem about this is, yeah, we can write um, our own uh tests or the developers can write their own tests uh, to a certain extent when you're talking about things like uh, unit tests or integration tests and so on, uh, functional testing. But when you're talking about the web, um, as I'm sure you both know and all everybody listening knows, you're not actually running the web app uh, on its own. You're running it inside a browser. And we ran into the problem with Selenium, which I'm sure a lot of people run into, is in order to test um, an application, say, uh, test your user interface, you've got to uh, install something inside your browser. Um, I think it's called WebDriver or something like that. And, um, and that becomes a problem. You can't just, you know, start up a browser and say, okay, let me test this particular piece of my application or this particular piece of the UI. Am I getting the right results from my uh, back end and, and so on and so forth. And so we, we started to run into these problems. And um, 
uh, pure JavaScript controls were originally written for the mobile market. Uh, so we're talking about phones, we're talking about tablets and all that kind of stuff. And Selenium, tablets and phones? No. So we had to basically come up with an idea, um, some kind of tool that we could use to test our own user interface controls on mobile devices uh, automatically and um, you know, put it inside our continuous integration um, service and all that kind of stuff. And so we started off with Test Cafe. And I remember when we first launched it, I think it was 2013, um, there was a, a big conference in San Francisco, an HTML5 conference or some description. And so we had a booth there and we were showing it off and, and I had my, um, um, my Kindle and um, you know, we were showing everybody that, oh, it runs on this um, laptop that we have here. And there's Julian with his Kindle. Look, when Test Cafe was working on the Kindle. <laughs> yes, we love doing stuff like that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it kind of grew from there, really. People got enthusiastic about it. Uh, the thing is, with Test Cafe, uh, I'm sure you know, is you write your tests in JavaScript. So not only are you writing JavaScript for your web app, uh, you're also writing JavaScript for your tests. You're not having to learn something new. You're not having to install something new. It's just, you know, it's Node.js essentially, um, a nice you know, framework for Node.js. Um, you can install it with NPM and, you know, Boom, it's, it's dead easy. And as I say, you don't have to install um, anything on the browser to make it um, run the tests. The, the thing was that, you know, at that point, we realized there were a lot of people out there who would like it even... Um, we used to have a user interface which ran in the browser and uh, people saying, yeah, but you're not doing this, you're not doing that. So we basically stopped developing the user interface and we decided to create an open source framework for Test Cafe. Um, and then once that was popular, create a better dashboard style or studio style uh, interface for recording tests and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you can you can download it from Git, GitHub. It's an open source project. We get a lot of uh, feedback from from people who are using it, um, and so on and so forth. It's uh, it's been a it's been a journey. <laughs> yeah. So I briefly my experience. I touched on this a little bit in our pre podcast talk, but. Uh, Many years ago, when I, I was still at Microsoft, I was at Microsoft for a long time with Brent. That's where we met, and I've, I've moved on from there about three years ago. Uh, I, my last job there, I ran a team where the developers were using uh, Selenium Protractor for an Angular website. Hmm. And one of the things that bugged me was that the only browser we could get all of our tests to run on consistently was Chrome. Hmm. There were various issues with Firefox, more issues with IE. And granted, this is now five or six years ago. Right. Uh, five, well, three, four, four or five years ago, if I can do the math here. Uh, so when I got a chance to prototype Test Cafe, just to let you know my experience as a user, it was npm install Test Cafe, mm -hmm. uh, open some, you know, look at the docs, write a little code, go, oh, wow, this just runs. And then try a different browser, and it just runs. And I wrote more extensive tests. And not only did I write, I just wrote a little basic test for one page to create some random project names for us. This, this was an angular site at the time. Right. And uh, it was pretty easy to get a basic test up and running. Uh, ended up having to do a lot more. And I'm, I'm going to really anger the Selenium crowd. I'm not against Selenium. As everybody knows, we had Jason Huggins on the show last year to talk about. There's a lot of value to it. But as far as quick uh, getting things up and running... It worked really well for me. And those tests ran with only one error when someone pulled them out and dusted them off to build on them six or eight months after I wrote them. So I think that's a testament to uh, how well things work. I'm a little bit removed from that, but I remember in Selenium, a lot of waiting for elements to appear, 
which uh, you have to do a little bit of in Test Cafe, but it's a little smarter about not needing to write these massive nested uh, weights and checks. So right. a big fan. So this is all leading to a question. So when I first used Test Cafe, <laughs> I posted. Eventually, Alan gets somewhere. I posted uh, to Twitter and said, "Hey, because I haven't done a lot of web automation." Uh, I said, "I've used Test Cafe. Seems to work pretty well." And w- what am I missing? What? What? Why isn't this a bigger deal? And the feedback I get from my followers who use uh, and others who have forwarded. There's a lot of Selenium folks out there. We're really just two things, and maybe watch you address these and kind of get, rather than my opinion, your opinion. Mm-hmm. One was, which I will actually argue with first, one was, well, it injects JavaScript into your website, so it's not the real site customers are seeing. Uh, and I thought that is, and just, I, I'll just dismiss that one as lame. But the second one is, but web, it doesn't use WebDriver, and WebDriver is W3CC standard, W3C standard. And... My answer to that was so, and they said, but it's a standard. And I said, so, and they said, but it's a standard. But you may have a better answer to that question. So I'll leave you with that to comment on. <laughs> my my viewpoint, um, just to go back, I mean, we create these user interface controls uh, written in JavaScript for web applications. And the, the thing is, we, we don't just say, these controls only work in Chrome or Firefox or um, Safari or, or whatever. Edge. Yeah, that was the other one, Edge. Ha! Yeah, we, we say it's, you know, it's a, um, a user interface control for the web and it should work in any browser. And what we get is if we get it wrong, we get, you know, a support question or whatever it happens to be. Hey, I'm using this version of Safari and your web, um, your user interface control doesn't work. And so we have to basically, you know, boot up some Safari or other and check it out. The problem is once you've fixed whatever issue it was in whatever particular browser it was, you've got to repeat that test forevermore. It's part of your um, test suite at that point because you don't want to revert to a buggy uh, version and so on and so forth. Um, so that's you know emphasizing the fact that yes, WebDriver may be W3C uh, compatible and all the rest of it, but it's not in every browser. Uh, it's not there. If I download and install Firefox, it's not there. You have to then install something else. And, you know, if I have my, I'm old fashioned, I've got an iPhone 6. Ah, it's, you know, the uh, operating system is version 12 of iOS, not version 13. It won't go up any further. So at some point, you know, I'm just saying we're going to create a user interface control or some feature or another, and it's just not going to work on my iPhone 6. And I'll be able to say, okay, guys, you know, sort this out. But with Selenium, until, if you like, the web driver becomes like um, the big thing everyone's talking about these days is WASM, uh, WebAssembly. Every browser now has WebAssembly built into the browser. So you can now write applications which target WebAssembly. Fine. WebDriver is not like that. And um, so, you know, for us in particular, uh, it emphasizes the fact that we needed something which went beyond um, what Selenium could do because we have customers out there across the world using a wild variety of different browsers. And we cannot um, just say, oh, sorry, you're using Internet Explorer 11. You wouldn't believe the number of people you still use Internet Explorer 11. Um, uh, I, I would because I've run those stats. Because we had to when I when I had web apps at Microsoft, I would look at browser percentage. And at the time, again, four or five years ago, at, I was surprised how many people were running IE8. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is 
it can be absolutely crazy. But then you start thinking about, okay, it's a legacy app and you know we haven't upgraded all our users and you know, so on, so on, so on. I mean, I wonder how many people out there are using the new Microsoft Edge, for example, if they're using Edge. Did they actually do the extra step to install this brand new Chrome-based Edge? Brent, are you you're probably using Chrome Edge. Uh, not by purpose, no. <laughs> do, you, do you call it Credge internally? Uh, we do not. We do not. Okay. I, the... I'm going to offer that up for free. Just pass Credge. that along to Satya or the IE team directly. Credge. Yeah, if, if it goes that way, it's already going to get translated to Cringe internally. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said yeah. Microsoft. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Credge for business. No, so like the the the... the I do think going with the Chrome um, architecture was a net positive for Edge. Uh, I don't think there's much disagreement nope. there. Not for me. Um, no, no. I... But it, like to me, I think there's a bit of a branding problem right now because I think the majority of if I if I were in the right position, once I made the decision to go with the Chrome backend, I would have rebranded. Right, because I think I think Edge is synonymous with pain in in the <laughs> world market. That's just my opinion, and Satya listens to this and wants to question me on it. Um, I'll still stand by that, even though uh, I have no data to prove it one way or the other. Um, couple couple of things. Uh, so I'm currently stalking Julian on LinkedIn. Oh, and I see he actually has spent time at Microsoft as well. Yes, that was a while back. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was at Microsoft uh, for about a year. Um, I was brought on um, because the uh, Visual Studio team were about to release Visual Studio 2003. And if you know your Visual Studio history, there was no Visual Studio 2003 because there was a major cock-up. And so it became Visual Studio 2005. And so I was brought in to, you know, in theory, to um, provide, um, uh, I was a program manager, to provide uh, ideas and thoughts about what the next version of Visual Studio would, would have and would be doing and so on and so forth, except that, I was brought in and everything had been decided and <laughs> we were doing Visual Studio 2000, what's it called? Um, Codename Whitby. It was kind of interesting. I, mean, uh, I remember these things. Wow. Yeah, C I do, I, I do C too. C Sharp was getting um, generics. That was the big thing about it. But so generics, I, I remember when generics came out. Those were cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, do you remember, were. Ellen, do you remember when Whitaker was in DevDiv? Was it around that time frame? It might have been. So Barton Barton was running their massive QA org. But when did I don't remember when Whitaker's first stint at Microsoft began and ended. But yeah, about that time, he actually might have come a little bit later. Yeah, was was TFS a thing then, Julian? TFS, TFS? was just starting. It hadn't Team Foundation Server. I, 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 no, that was later. I'm sure. I'm trying to okay. go back now. I mean, I've I've been with Dev Express now 14 years, so it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I forgot. I forgot most of those days at Microsoft. It was, uh, it was fun, but I just didn't fit in at that particular point, unfortunately. So, all right, but well, I'm gonna have no, you put that, your yearbook away. No, that <laughs> makes that makes perfect sense. Like, like. Um, you, know, you started this question with sort of a web driver is the standard thing, right? And, and it's somewhat of a cyclical argument in my view. Standards change, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I just happened to be looking in uh, uh, right now, I found a page that talks about laws that have changed, right? There was a law apparently in Washington in 1969 where it made it a felony and punishable by five years in prison if you um, slayed Bigfoot. 
Oh, well. <laughs> Where are you going what? with this? No, I, I'm just. Which I'm just web saying, page have you got up? <laughs> so, so that law, that law was in 1969, and mm. and in the context back then, there was there either this was a complete joke or. Uh, and, and the people who passed that law had nothing else better to do, or there was some evidence or a real strong belief that Bigfoot is a creature that needs to be protected. My, my point is, is that as time advances, we create new tech, new standards need mm -hmm. to be, uh, standards need to be reconsidered, right? Um, uh, QA certification. Right. There's still a lot of standards in, in, in the EU around QA certification. And, and as an example, I'd make a, a large argument that those standards are contradictory uh, to, to many marketplaces today. Not all, but many. I, 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 I mean, Alan, you, you sort of just immediately bit flip the JavaScript argument. Likewise, I bit flip the web driver argument. Um, Alan, well, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll ask one question that I'm very curious about. So DevExpress targets devs, right? We, we talked yeah. about it at the very beginning. That's very mm -hmm. fascinating. What about Test Cafe specifically? Do you have any sort of sense of, if you can share this, sort of your, your customer segment around uh, a developer versus a, a traditional uh, UI tester or UI automator. Uh, so, so let me let me approach that in, in a slightly um, weird way. Originally, okay. we wrote Test Cafe for developers because we, as a company, market to developers, essentially. Um, as I said, we do user interface controls across the board. And so originally Test Cafe was targeted towards developers and those developers would be um, fairly proficient in JavaScript. As I said, we're talking about five, six, seven years ago. Um, and what we found was that um, the developers were saying, this is too simplistic um, for us to use, you've got to um, broaden it and you've got to uh, make it easier to program to and, and so on and so forth. So that's why we split Test Cafe away from its user interface to a pure um, JavaScript framework, essentially. And uh, that was made open source and blah, 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 blah. And then we went back to the user interface to say, okay, we know that developers will, um, I'm going to say the word, enjoy using Test Cafe because you know, they're writing web applications, they're writing some JavaScript, and they know JavaScript, and they can write JavaScript to do their tests. Brilliant. Now we have to target those people who maybe don't know JavaScript as well, uh, but are um, QA people, testing people, people who basically... Um, are, if you like, away from that developer mentality and go, how is this application really going to work and how easy is it to use and how can we test the usability of this application um, easily and quickly, which is when we produced uh, Test Cafe Studio, which has basically a visual test recorder. So yeah, a developer could go in with a studio and say, all right, here's my web page and I'm going to press this button. I'm expecting this to happen and you know these um, uh, elements to be updated and so on and so forth. And they could actually just record that using um, the visual uh, test recorder instead of actually, you know, trying to write the JavaScript and, oh, they're using Aurelia and they need, um, you know, a, an extra bit of code to actually access the elements and, and so on and so forth. So we originally started targeting developers, but with the um, um, user interface side, the studio side, or uh, it's going to 
migrate into a kind of dashboard type um, application. Um, you know, we're, we're then basically saying, okay, developers, you have a QA team um, who may not be as proficient in JavaScript as you are, and you don't want them to come to you to say, write me this test, please, because I've got to run it, you know, ad infinitum every day uh, in my uh, integrated test suite. Um, that's the whole point where we thought, okay, we have to target um, uh, the testing environment in these companies, these uh, corporations, and make it easier for them to create a suite of tests, to run that suite of tests as part of some integration, um, and, and so on and so forth. So it's um, we're not we're not saying, oh, developers, you've been doing it wrong. Here's a great new studio which will help you do it better. And we're not saying to the testers, oh, I'm sorry, you don't know JavaScript that well. Here's something to make it easier for you. No, we're basically saying uh, writing tests is, I mean, there's so many different types of tests. You've got, you know, as I said, units, integration tests, functional testing, which is very developer-based. Um, performance testing, hmm, and usability testing. The thing that fascinates me most and um, uh, as a CTO at DevExpress, you know, I'm very into usability. Unfortunately, these days, I don't do much development. Um, you know, I started off years ago as a developer, but I don't do much development nowadays. So I tend to look at things from a um, user standpoint more than a developer standpoint. So usability testing for me is, is something that's... Um, uh, interesting, and um, I, I really want to get more into and um, you know, to be able to look at our um, particular controls and to say, yes, they're usable. If the user comes across an application written with our controls, they know how to use the application. They're not searching around you know, the window going, well, what do I do to do this? It gets obvious. Yeah. Um, and you know, test cafe is all about that. It's uh, um, especially the studio side of things. It's the ability for um, QA testers to actually write tests which show that an application is usable and continues to be usable. So uh, I don't know the state of the art today on test recorders when. When I started this, this was back in, oh my God, MS Test was when it started. Ooh. For those who remember that part. <laughs> I, I, I was a beta user. <laughs> um, and, and one of the traditional problems with this is they were, they were absolutely great for very quickly creating a bunch of repeatable tests. Mm-hmm. As long as your developers didn't check in any changes, uh, then it very quickly then it very quickly became a maintenance nightmare. Often with people who didn't understand uh, the code being produced. Um, what's the what's the state of the art on that? Today? That's 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 that kind of is a, a broad question because. If you like, we suffer from that from our um, you know main um, thrust of our um, our company is breaking changes. You know we we set, let's say we produce a control. Uh, people like it and they want some changes and they want this feature and that feature and all that kind of stuff. It's very easy at that point to say, you know. We thought about doing ABC with this control at the beginning, but it turns out that C is not really required. It really ought to be D. And we make the change, and it's a breaking change. And yes, we have to tell our, our customers that, yet yeah, there is a breaking change. Uh, it won't work in the same way as it did in the previous version and all that kind of stuff. And the one thing about Test Cafe uh, Visual uh, Test Recorder is that it's actually writing the stuff as JavaScript in the background. So it's not some weird and wonderful 
database there and we're just doing some wacky SQL to put the test into the database and all that kind of stuff. No, it's just a JavaScript file. So uh, in one sense, it's uh, fairly easy to make changes. Yes, the developers can do something which will break a test as the test broken because the change made was um, bad or was the breaking change a good breaking change, in which case you have to change the test for sure. And it's easier to change the test if it's just you know, language you know and can just uh, quickly change or re-record the test uh, with the new, um, new outcome that you're expecting from this new feature. Yeah, so to build on what what Brent asked and answer part of it myself, in the old days of Windows UI automation, people would change an ID of a control or the ta- or, or or a tab order or something that would screw up all your automation. In yeah. the web world, Brent, the if people have auto-generated or randomly named or, or usually unnamed controls, things get weird. Even in Test Cafe, I had one control in that little suite I wrote that didn't have an easy way to access, so I had to make a constant with with the totally ugly selector name. And we went back and changed it later. But the way you get around those tests breaking is you you give your controls IDs with sensible names, uh, makes them easier to access. So, which is one of the reasons I think it's critical, whether you're using Selenium or Test Cafe or any of the other tools around this, is that for that unit level, that basic BVT of UI wouldn't be a unit level test, but that basic BVT of UI, like are my controls there and do they do, I'm again, not testing logic, is the stuff where I want it to be. Have the devs write that because they're going to feel that pain right away and go fix. <laughs> yeah, and don't, I, I mean, like I said, we don't have QA on our team. But if they if they go, oh wait, this is stupid. Why am I doing it this way? That's such an efficiency boon rather than the. If you have a like, there are some organizations where a tester writes test cases and an automation team goes to automate them, and the back and forth between those layers and the developer just. It's it's an inefficient game of ping pong that drives me nuts. So let's take care of and maybe if you have that automation team, which I'm not a fan of, I'm not against having QA teams. I think it makes sense, especially in a in a UI centric application. But get that basic testing that that first level of testing done by the dev team. Have them own those tests because if not, you're going to be playing a constant game of back and forth and back and forth the entire time you're building your product. And it's just a horrible way to make software. That's a, that's a good point, actually. Um, and one of the things we discovered is, yes, uh, Test Cafe will record a test saying, is the 13th child of this particular parent because you haven't actually given it an ID. And yeah, something will break pretty quickly at that particular point. Um, which is why we also have um, uh, not only pure, if you like, CSS um, uh, classes and IDs that we can search for and use and all that kind of stuff. We also have uh, the ability to um, have um, uh, format, format, framework-specific um, selectors. So if you're using React, for example, React is if you like, notorious for hiding things from you because it creates an old separate DOM and, you know, what do we do about that in Test Cafe? Well, answer is we have a React um, uh, plugin, if you like, which knows about React and knows how to get uh, to a particular control or a particular element in the React DOM tree to be able to um, ascertain its um, uh, its status and uh, what it's showing or whatever. But yeah, that's an excellent way of putting it. If your developers can't write the test, then nobody else could. (laughs) Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, a book on the philosophy of quality, basically says quality and care are two sides of the same coin. If I look at my work, if I look at a string of random greater than signs and strings that, that that is a thing in my test, I am not proud of that work. Right. And I want right. to be proud of what I make, whether it's a, a test or production code or, or even a project. I like to be proud of my work. Uh, I want to 
ask you a different question. And I think it's fair for, because again, a lot of people, I don't, I don't think it's any mystery to you. There are more Selenium users than there are Test Cafe users. I haven't looked up that number, but I'm pretty sure I can say that. I feel I have a high confidence that so that's correct. Mm-hmm. What are some, for the Selenium crowd, maybe, because I'll get questions about this, maybe let's preempt some of those. What are some things you think Selenium does better than Test Cafe? Or, or, or a reason you would use Selenium in some instance over Test Cafe? That's a question that I really could not answer because I personally have never used Selenium. So I, 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 I just don't okay. know. Uh, I am going to, to officially outsource that question then because I don't know either. I, I, I mean, I get, I get the point that Selenium has been around uh, the longest. So, so actually, I have one. Maybe we can talk through because I haven't thought about this, but I think I think I can talk through it. Maybe you can help me with it. Is uh, one of the things that were built on top of Selenium is Selenium Grid, the ability to have a basically a server farm run a whole bunch of things, your tests across a whole bunch of browsers, and a whole bunch of permutations. I'm as I say that because I brought. I was just trying to think. I think I could duplicate all of that in a modern CI system. Is that something that's come up with you? Has anybody ever asked, like, I want to run this across on every build across 16 different browser and OS flavors. Would they just use test cafe on something like browser stack or like, what, yeah. what would be your, what would be your answer to that, that question? That's, that's something that we are continuing to improve. Let's put it like that. The ability to run um, test suites concurrently and um, it's quote unquote difficult, but it's still, it works at the moment. We, the other thing is to go back is um, we get an awful lot uh, these days um, of people are using um, uh, sites like Source Labs um, to run their application on multiple different mobile devices. And yes, we'll do that in, in quote, parallel, uh, unquote, um, which again, you know, Selenium is more geared towards your desktop browser uh, experience, not necessarily, oh, I'm running it on a very smaller, uh, very smaller, on a smaller screen. And, you know, these things disappear until you hit the hamburger menu icon and stuff like that. The way Test Cafe works is it uses a proxy server, essentially. So it's end-to-end testing, and Test Cafe is in the middle. So if your browser asks for a particular you know, HTTP request, Test Cafe receives the HTTP request, recognizes it, sends it on to the actual back end, and then when the back end replies, will then pass that reply over to the browser, and, um, um, you know, inject, if you like, its, uh, its own test uh, information uh, so that it can uh, verify that the test is running okay and all the rest of it. That server, um, proxy server, will work with multiple uh, browsers at the same time. So you can basically, with Test Cafe, set it up so that... Um, you know, it'll run um, even on a desktop, um, Chrome and Firefox and Edge all at the same time, running the same test for the same application and so on and so forth. But I would guess that Selenium, if you like, does it better because it's it's an actual application. It's, uh, you know, it's going the whole hog, as it were. Yeah, I think in... So let me talk through this. I haven't thought through this completely, but because the installation is just an npm install, yeah, uh, it's it makes it fairly easy. Well, not fairly, makes it extremely easy to add to my 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 CI workflow. I just mm-hmm. added I add a step that's uh, is a setup step for npm install, and then it runs the tests. Right. And results get reported, and I can definitely in parallel send that 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 step to multiple locations, whether it's on a farm or, 
or right. I can specify where I want those to run. So that should work. And I'm sure, and again, I have used Selenium and Protractor fairly extensively. Uh, but again, this is years ago. I, I don't have the data, but uh, my experiences are similar. But I'm actually looking forward to hearing uh, what our listeners have to say. And if you're fairly new to the podcast, if you go right. back to w- about a year ago, one of the early posts from 20. 20- 19, I think that's what it was. We had Jason Huggins on the podcast uh, in response to a tweet. uh, Actually, this was better brought up a minute ago. We're talking about IDs. I had come across a blog post and someone talking about how they solved the problem in Selenium. And they're very proud of this code. And I looked and talked about looking at code and saying, am I proud of this? They're very proud of code that I thought was ugly embarrassingly ugly it was a long string of of the selector they had to choose to get a get access to a control mm-hmm. and i tweeted something crass like reason 438 why i hate selenium and the community exploded against me and told me i i, I couldn't hate selenium and it's not i don't actually i i think selenium's great uh, it, it solves it solves a huge problem. What I didn't like is that it enabled that stuff. So this is true also in Test Cafe, but it started a nice little war. Uh, one of the the contributors to WebDriver was extremely mad at me and and gave me uh, I'll just say some grief over Twitter. And I we ended up having Jason on the show to talk about it, and he was actually he was super pleasant and he got it and he asked he tried to bait Brent and I with a. Uh, a question. He goes, "Well, should should Selenium just not support selectors? Will that make it easier?" I said, "No, we should. You've you've you have a legacy of of a million different tests. You can't just go break them." Uh, I think, in a way, he was acknowledging it. That part kind of created a monster. But the point I wanted to make was not that I hate Selenium. Uh, I hate, hated the way it was being used. The way people mm. like again going back to my statement before, which is don't don't settle for having to access controls like that. And I got all kinds of, well, we can't get developers to do that. Okay. If you, if you're not collaborating with your development team, if you're in a dedicated testing role and you're not collaborating with your dev team, that's the problem. Solve that problem. You'll solve all kinds of other things too. So anyway, uh, we, we support everyone. If in fact, I will put an open invitation out. If someone wants to, someone else wants to come on the show and tell, and tell me why, uh, why Selenium is so much more awesome than Test Cafe? We could do that too, and I will offer that to you, Julian, as free competitive analysis. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I tell you, if you if you want to do that, um, have somebody on and uh, have me be there as well, and you know, have a, a yeah, big and, discussion and, and about give, X versus Y. Yeah, and I'm going to even go more meta on this and say, uh. Don't don't use a tool because it's the one everyone else is using. Don't follow someone because that's the guy you think you want to follow. Form your own opinions, whether it's around philosophy, approach, quality, test automation tools. Do your research and form your own opinions. I can tell you I've formed mine, and mine is that uh, Test Cafe is very easy to use and consistently runs my tests across every browser I could throw at it. It, it does seem to me that intellectual laziness in, <laughs> in the knowledge work business is a great way to limit your career. Um, One million percent, yes. The, and, and then for those listeners who are curious, Alan's uh, UI rant was episode 102, and the follow-up 103 was the one with with uh, Jason Hug. Uh, oh, okay. I, I will look yeah. up those and um, um, listen to them afterwards. I'd just like to say um, I had a thought, and it's gone. Um, you sound like me. <laughs> no, it's completely gone. I was, well, I was, I was actually I was looking at um, Angry Weasel AB testing the website, and um, you are responsive, or the site is responsive. So if it's I, a word, it's just a WordPress site. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, but we, I, we get, I oh, and, and actually, I should bring this up. I used to give a workshop at conferences called Tools You Can Use, a bunch of different tools that any tester could use for testing. And I used Test Cafe as part of that. I've since open sourced that. I know one of our listeners, Chris Kenst, has, has, has given that workshop, and but anyone can. But I used uh, a quick little Test Cafe script uh, to do some automation of angryweasel.com and, and show that as a demo. Like, this is. This is how easy it is. It was not very much code. Yeah. The, I, I just remembered what I was talking about. Um, you were saying about um, developers um, not being um, exploratory enough, if you like, and just plumping for what everybody else is using. Um, this is something that we, we come across with regard to our trial versions. Essentially, the your trial versions of our products are there so you can play around with them and see if they're actually going to suit your particular application, your particular company, and uh, whether you should actually buy them and all the rest of it. And I always say to developers when they're when they're saying, "Well, you know, why why should I buy yours and not um, you know, competitor B or competitor C?" And I just say, to be honest, you know. Writing user interface controls, you have two audiences. You have the user and you have the developer. And so play around with it, use it as a developer and show it to your users and see if they like it. And the same thing with Test Cafe, essentially. Try it, use it, um, you know, do a... Um, a contest, if you like, between Selenium or Cypress or one of the other big ones uh, versus Test Cafe. How easy is it to use? Does it suit your particular application? Does it sort, suit your particular environment? Um, and go from there. If you plump for one, brilliant. I'm not going to argue with you. If you say, you know, we did a test, we checked, you know, you versus Selenium versus Cypress versus whoever, and we like Selenium better. Fine, brilliant. You actually did the work to say that Selenium was better. And I'm not going to argue with that. I'm not going to <laughs> jump up and down and say, well, we use JavaScript, we use JavaScript. <laughs> you know, no, it's, it's nothing, nothing to do with that. I, it goes back to that old, you know, writing crappy code or whatever, or writing code which you look at and go, holy cow, is there any way to make that simpler? Uh, maybe if I switch my framework, it would be simpler to write and to maintain and to use and all that kind of stuff. But at that point, it's you and um, your developer mindset, uh, whichever thing works best for you, go for it. Yep. Hey, so same, Julian, same advice for me. Julian, yes, Brent. Uh, Sorry, yeah, this is to Julian. Um, Julian, so are you familiar with the work of Nicole Forsman? Uh, she recently published a book called Accelerate. No, I, I just like to point out now for our listeners, this is the 37th podcast in a row. We've mentioned the book Accelerate. Go on, Brent. Yeah, we... we um, so what she did is she went back and did... A uh, research study around sort of typical agile practices. Mm -hmm. And uh, she concluded many interesting things. Um, one of them was that uh, developers owning their testing, uh, owning the testing per company, was highly correlated with um, uh, the company's success and productivity. Mm -hmm. uh, however, QA owning the, the tests uh, was not at all correlated with uh, highly valuable business results. And um, this is somewhat towards the selenium comment and perhaps test cafe. But I wonder if, if companies in your sorts of business shouldn't in some regards help your your customers um, achieve the sorts of goals uh, meaning 
Wait, sure. If you don't have an ID, uh, if you don't have IDs, we're going to fall back and we'll still succeed within Test Cafe, but now you're going to have the high maintenance uh, uh, version of your recorded test script. Um, I'm wondering if things like annoying warnings or, or, <laughs> or something along those lines to sort of start changing the, their engineering behavior towards for things that are that uh, are known to produce positive business outcomes, like it seems to me, uh, if Test Cafe was able to say, "Hey, we not only just do tests, but we actually help you change uh, gotcha. the culture of your business," right? We're an ally to hmm. your business as well as our own. Um, anyway. That's an interesting viewpoint, and I'll have a chat with the developers. We already produce a, uh, a product for C-sharp developers and JavaScript developers uh, called CodeRush, which um, helps you analyze your code and suggest ways of improving your code. Um, I like it already. And that seems to be, or what you're saying there, Brent, seems to be something that we could do with Test Cafe whereby, as a, an example, like a stupid example I gave earlier, you know, instead of, hey, you're selecting the 13th child of this parent, why don't you give it a name? And here's a you know, name for you or something like that. That'd be, that's an interesting viewpoint. And oh, uh, I, I've just bought it on Amazon and it's coming tomorrow. So they... <laughs> it's a great book. <laughs> um. <clears throat> Okay, now it was my turn. Didn't forget what I was going to say as a follow-up. <laughs> yeah. It's the end of the week. Mind you, every day seems to be the end of the week. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. My, my recurring comment there is every day is Tuesday. <laughs> right? It's not Monday. It's like the, not the typical misery of Monday. It's, it's not, oh, Wednesday. Hey, we're halfway through. Halfway through it is it, most yeah. certainly not Friday. <laughs> all right with yep. with that i with us all being confused by the day of the week but not being confused on uh brent shut up <laughs> <laughs> but not being confused on having a, a great and fun time talking to julian today uh we need to close well, thank you very much, Alan and Brent, for inviting me onto the uh, the podcast. I I must say I enjoyed it very much. We're super very glad good. to and have I, you here. And I uh, I say again, if you uh, invite somebody who wants to have a discussion, A versus B, then I'll certainly come back. Yeah, sure. Let us know. Let us know. All right, great that, having hugs? you here, Brent. What were you saying? <laughs> I said, hear that, hugs. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see if one of the listeners uh, wraps it to him. Yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. And again, All I right. think it's. I, I think again, I just want to close and say, critical thinking, blind faith in anything, is whether it's ideology or tools or anything in between, is going to get you in a heap mess of trouble. So, with that message, uh, thanks again, Julian. Good talking with you, Brent. And we'll talk to you two and our other three listeners sometime soon. Everyone say goodbye. Bye-bye. Ciao.